For us, we've chosen the word responsibility, and you'll see that on our site. We actually never use the word sustainability anywhere, primarily because we felt like it was our responsibility to really be thoughtful about how we talked about those topics. They're very nuanced. Hello and welcome to Shopify On Location. I'm Shuang Esershan coming to you from our space in downtown San Francisco. When you think about San Francisco, what comes to mind? Tech, nature, maybe great sourdough? You're probably not thinking about fashion, but Jessica Lee is. She co-founded Modern Citizen back in 2014. Today, she sells clothing that's both luxurious and versatile that can transition from the office to dinner and each stop in between. A huge part of her company's success is customer loyalty. In fact, half of Modern Citizen sales last year came from returning shoppers. Jessica is here now to talk about what it's like to run a fashion business in tech-heavy San Francisco and what is next for the brand. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So why isn't San Francisco known for fashion? After all, brands like Gap and Levi's are actually based here. Yeah, totally. So, you know, obviously, as you mentioned in the introduction, San Francisco is very much a technology city and synonymous with technology, but it is also synonymous with just great brands across the board. So Gap that you just mentioned, Levi's, both were businesses that were founded here, big retail giants. Um, It's actually how I started my career working at Gap Inc., um, learning all about kind of like the business of fashion and the retail business. So I don't know why, actually, it's not really like mentioned as much. I think it just has a long history. Um, San Francisco is also, I think, as a city kind of known as sort of like a maverick city, you know, a place where you can kind of do things your own way, you know, obviously on the West Coast, I think that has that general spirit. Um, so yeah, hopefully people will know more about San Francisco and fashion <laughs> and its synonymousness uh, after this podcast. For a lot of people who want to break into the fashion industry, they might have looked at your old position as perhaps a dream job, but you wanted to leave that stability and create something new because you noticed that there was something missing. What was missing in the fashion scene back in 2014? Yeah. So at that time, I was uh, mentioned as I worked at Gap Inc. in strategy. And a lot of my job was working on M&A, what we would call mergers and acquisitions, you know, looking at other companies that Gap Inc. as a conglomerate could acquire. And a lot of the brands that we were looking at at that time were, I would call it e-commerce 2.0, when people were really talking about D2C as being kind of like the next big wave in fashion. And what was interesting to me about that time was, you know, um, a lot of people were talking about channel shift and shifting from retail stores to online. But for me, what was more interesting about that time period was not necessarily just about shifting of channels, but it was a lot more about just an entrant of many new brands to the space. And as a millennial, (laughs) an elder millennial, it was really, I think, about the turnover of like, you know, the brands that we grew up with in the mall, having new entrants come in to compete and and really hope to kind of define a generation of consumers. So that's what I thought was like very interesting about that time period. You know, these D2C brands, of course, were being built online primarily first because of platforms like Shopify and sort of the way that that lowered the barriers to entry to create something new. But I think what was, again, interesting about them wasn't necessarily just the fact that they were being sold online. It was really more the fact that they were new and that they had channels like the online channel through platforms like Shopify to be able to tell their story in a very direct way in a way that was very specific and like kind of like unique to the kind of customer that they were specifically targeting. So you really could go very deep with a specific community. That was what was really interesting about that time. When we started Modern Citizen, my business partner, Lizzie, and I both really felt like there was white space in the market to really speak to a consumer of like young professional women, basically a community of young professional women who were 
primarily dressing for work. 90% of the occasions that they're dressing for, you know, is for work because they're at work um, for the vast majority of the week, but weren't really interested in shopping traditional workwear brands. So thinking about probably in like a past life, you know, going to an interview and buying a suit for the interview just felt very dated. It's just not the way that people dress for work now. It's a lot more nine to nine. You kind of like dress for the morning and you wear the same outfit throughout the day to the, all the different places that you need to go. So we felt like it made sense to kind of offer her something where she could feel comfortable and powerful in it for a work occasion, but also be able to have it transition, you know, to all those other things. Both of us also came from retail as well, too. So obviously I worked at Gap Inc. prior. My business partner had worked at ModCloth and she and I both felt like you know, there was opportunity to deliver a sort of like more luxury designer aesthetic, um, but to do so at a price point that most people could actually afford. And so that was something that we also felt very passionate about from day one. Yeah, I guess like the other part that was very interesting is that Lizzie used to be a customer who found out about Modern Citizen yeah. and then <laughs> our founding story. And then you were like, let's build this with me. I think that was something that, you know, when I started Modern Citizen, I didn't necessarily set out to do. But then meeting Lizzie, it was so like apparent, like why <laughs> that would be a good idea, not only because of like, you know, all the things that she brought to the table, but also just like the idea of partnership in building something like this. That's been such a central part of, of building Modern Citizen is that partnership, you know, entrepreneurship can be very lonely. It's really, really lonely um, to kind of like be able to have to make all of those decisions, especially through really tough times like COVID, et cetera. And so it's something that now, again, looking back in hindsight, I'm, I'm super grateful for that relationship and the way that we ended up building the business together. I think that's also like a hat tip to San Francisco because it is a community filled with people who are willing to leave a job, take a risk, join someone on their startup journey versus maybe in other cities, there's less people inclined to do so in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you still see fewer examples of co-founders. Honestly, even the term co-founders, I had never really actually heard that even until I moved to San Francisco because it wasn't something that necessarily was on our radar. You think about like traditional business titles and roles and co-founder is like not something that necessarily comes up, I think, in a lot of other places. So there's just this concept of a co-founder, this concept of like, you know, being really thoughtful about who you choose as your co-founder and being very clear eyes going into that process. I think, you know, because we are, again, surrounded by the culture of technology and startups, there was a lot of like literature and like, you know, conversation out there about like how to choose the right co-founder, how to really ask yourselves the right questions, how important that relationship is. And it's really emphasized as like almost being more important than your marriage because it is a marriage, it's like a business marriage. So I think that was some, another thing that we really benefited from is that like we were able to go into that process very clear eyes and really thinking about some of those like really critical questions ahead of time versus just kind of falling into something together, especially because Lizzie and I didn't know each other prior to starting this before. So there was that like really shared, you know, sort of set of things that we could kind of like really discuss and and build into kind of the relationship that we've had. So why did Lizzie make the perfect partner? Uh, well, you know, at the time that I had started my she really joined the business very early on, like within the first year. I was really doing everything myself, everything from sourcing the product to designing the website. I was teaching myself, you know, front-end development because at the time Shopify didn't have theme store yet. <laughs> so I was learning how to build a theme from scratch. And, you know, I would describe fashion as an industry or like a, as a business, as a compound art. You have to be very good at not only the creative sides of the business, but also the operational sides, inventory management, you know, customer service, shipping operations, so many different aspects. And I definitely didn't have experience in all of those places. And so when Lizzie and I met, you know, I think she at the time was like very open and, and looking to join something very early and to really be part of building something from the ground up. And her and I skill sets really were very complementary. I think that actually has also been a pretty integral part of our partnership too, is that like, you know, from the very beginning, we really kind of divided the business, all the functions of the business that are required in fashion sort of in half. And we're able to allow each other to kind of lead and, and own in our own ways, not having kind of like overlapping skill sets. That's something that they talk a little bit about with picking the right co-founders is just 
just making sure you're not kind of like overlapping in too many areas. And I think we overlap in just the right amount of areas in terms of, you know, not only our shared vision for kind of what we're building, but our values, um, even as we run the business, you know, being scrappy, you know, being very thoughtful about like how we're going to operate the business. You know, we had a, a very large set of shared values and then allowed ourselves to kind of like be able to operate with some freedom and independence as well. The ideal van diagram. Yes. Taking some of that Bay Area tech energy, which is user experience, you actually integrated that very early on in Modern Citizen, where you had pop-ups in companies, and then you got people, real working professionals, to try your clothes, to give feedback to the design and fit. So tell us why that was so important. Yeah. So I think in those early days, you know, this was before we had a marketing budget (laughs) for paid social. It was also really about refining the brand too. So we did these, what we called pop-ins. We would go to offices like, you know, Google, Facebook, Sephora, which also is, you know, again, the the benefit, I think, of being in a city like San Francisco, where all of these great brands have headquarter offices. We had friends who worked at these offices, too, that kind of helped us usher into those businesses and and got to get one-on-one feedback directly from customers who were actually purchasing the product. So it wasn't even just like they were trying things on to give feedback. They were actually shopping the product in real life. That really helped inform so much of like the way that we developed the assortment. It really made us think about like what categories were really important for us to sell, how to price them, what the feedback would be from customers, you know, as they tried those things on and like really seeing it in the context of like the work occasion, being in those offices and seeing what women were wearing, how they were wearing it, you know what I mean? Like what seemed to give people a lot of energy in terms of how, you know, they were dressed at work. That was something that was like really pivotal in the very beginning and the best way that we could have gotten feedback. I think the other benefit of being in San Francisco was you had access to a lot of tools, services, apps of other startups, which you got to be early users of. Um, tell us what kind of services were you using and testing in the early days? Yeah, so we were so lucky in that, like I just mentioned, we had some so many friends who worked at Facebook or like Meta now, um, places where you know we were, got to be really early beta testers of so many different things, whether that's like Instagram shops, you know, obviously Shopify um, also was like based in Canada, but they had an office here. And so like we had other people kind of reach out to us when we first replatformed. We chose Shopify for a reason, because it had to like, you know, a lot of people knew about it. You know, we were really early to a lot of different SaaS providers and things like that. So I think that that's something that probably being outside of a city like San Francisco, you may not have heard of a lot of these tools. You know, as direct-to-consumer rose in like the early 2010s, so many tools also rose alongside it to kind of help those entrepreneurs build those businesses. And many of them were founded here. So it was really awesome to be able to kind of like be in that ecosystem because we just heard about everything first. And one of those apps, I believe, was Clavio, where you got to build up your own audience slash channel through email marketing and CMS. Talk to us about testing that in the early days as well. So Clavio is actually an email marketing software that's based out of Boston. Um, but the founder very early on came out to visit some of their first customers. And a lot of their first customers were based in San Francisco. So we got to kind of be part of that tour. Um, and now obviously Clavio has gone on to become this huge SaaS provider and service for email marketing. And it's, it's still a platform that we use today. And so again, we feel really lucky that just, you know, our tools from, from day one really set us up for success and allowed us to kind of scale and grow very quickly because a lot of the innovation and in, in what was happening in that space, again, like SaaS providers, you know, providing technologies for retail again, really originated here. So you gathered a strong customer base to begin with, with those pop-ins at different offices. And then you also got to use a lot of new innovative tools 
and to perfect the online experience. How did you then move to talking to a bigger market and what kind of marketing efforts allowed you to reach more people beyond the community that was here locally? This kind of goes back to fashion, I think, sort of as an industry and a category. It's a really fragmented industry, probably one of the most fragmented in consumer goods. And I think the reason for that is because Fashion is inherently personal. It's something that, you know, people put on their bodies to sort of represent who they are. And to a certain extent, it's not just, you know, representing your taste level and your aesthetic, but it's also your values in a lot of ways. And so for that reason, there are so many brands that cater to kind of so many different types of people. So for us, we knew from day one that as a brand, we really needed to stand out. And I think that's why we've invested so much time and energy into kind of like our brand, branding, brand positioning, the way we talk about the business, um, the way we show up in our creative and all those different elements, because that's something that for us allowed us to kind of break through the mold early on. Even being a small business, again, from San Francisco, outside of some of like the satellite cities for fashion, we were picked up by press, you know, featured in like a number of different publications when we first launched and really got that sort of immediate sort of like boost of authenticity, I think because people recognize like the amount of effort and thoughtfulness that kind of went into developing the brand and sort of what it stood for rather than it just being something that was like very regional. Actually, our largest consumer base right now is in New York. Um, So Manhattan and Brooklyn kind of make up a very large percentage of our online sales alone. So, you know, it's something that we feel like the brand itself resonates with a lot of consumers in more metropolitan cities that probably share a lot of similar, you know, ways of living and and kind of like ethos in terms of what brands they want to represent and they want to support. So I think that's like the first step is that for us, you know, in the very beginning, we had very little money. So it wasn't necessarily like a large budget that really allowed us to kind of like grow very quickly. It 100% was word of mouth um, for the first three to four years. Um, a lot of it's stemming from some of those pop-ins and like really like people talking um, to their colleagues and like friends about like what we were building and then getting a lot of great organic press. I love the press coverage because I believe very early on Glamour Magazine called Modern Citizen the next big fashion direct-to-consumer brand. How do you go about managing those relationships? And I guess like what advice do you have for founders who wish to be covered by really well-known media outlets? Yeah. So I think, you know, we got very lucky in that particular placement. Actually, the woman who wrote that article, Priya Rao, she's now uh, the editor-in-chief of of Business of Beauty, one of the business of fashion verticals. And so she's like a great example, I think, of somebody who, like, as a writer at the time, like, I think really connected to our story. She and I really connected personally. And so that was something that we just really feel, like, grateful and, like, lucky that we were able to connect with her um, previously, kind of, like, through a PR firm that we had worked with. I think that, you know, again, early on, even in just, like, a discovery call, you know, we really just presented our story as authentically as we could, talked about why we created the business, like what we were excited about in terms of what we were doing. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, because my business partner, Lizzie, and I are the customer that we're creating for, there's a lot of authenticity in that. So we really speak from a place of, you know, a lot of consideration when we think about what we put out there. uh, And it seemed to resonate. And it sounds like you also keep in touch with the different writers that have written about your brand, you know, about their career progression. So there is definitely that nurturing of relationship happening as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we think about that with everything that's an extension of what we do is always wanting to kind of build community, do it again in an authentic way. Like, you know, we think about that in all of our marketing channels. So for example, you know, influencer is a big type of marketing that a lot of like fashion brands can do. You know, we think about it in a very intimate kind of like community driven way. Like for us, our 
influencer program is really almost like a VIP program. It's people that we've developed longstanding relationships with. We don't feel any pressure to work with a number of different influencers all at the same time. I think for us, we're very selective in terms of who we work with because we see those partners as an extension of our team, honestly, in terms of presenting the product to the end customer. They do it in new and exciting ways, like different perspectives that like we obviously couldn't bring to the product on our own. But that's something that for us is really important is, is making sure that those relationships are really real and built off of something that's like tangible and not necessarily just transactional. Because in a way, they're also continuing the story of Modern Citizen and showing it in the real world, like how they are dressing themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think for us, it's, it's very much a quality over quantity approach in terms of kind of like, again, who we work with, how we work with them. We really want to make sure that they also have some agency in terms of how they're talking about the business. You know, we don't feed them, you know, a script or anything like that in order to kind of like talk about the brand. It's, it's we've only really ever worked with people who I think organically really understood what we were trying to do. And then like we were able to even, you know, give more color behind the scenes about kind of like how things come together. Very excited to chat more about your storytelling and also other marketing efforts. I'm joined by Jessica Lee, co-founder and CEO of Modern Citizen. I hope you're enjoying our conversation. And if you haven't already, please give Shopify Masters a subscribe or follow wherever you are listening. And let us know what you think of this episode with a review. Thank you. So, One part of Modern Citizen's story I love to touch on is the style, where it's not just apparent in your clothing and accessories, it is apparent in your online store as well as social channels. So what kind of philosophy did you instill in the early days to make sure that the style is apparent in all touch points that you see? Yeah, absolutely. So I think like we talked about before, you know, in order to kind of break through in a category like fashion that's as crowded as it is, there has to be a lot of cohesiveness in the way that you kind of develop your story and and the way you tell your story. And that comes across in every touch point. That's the words on the page. You know, that's the graphic design. That's the actual designs of the garments themselves. Um, It's the color palette. It's the design of our logo. It's everything. And even in the naming of the business, you know, Modern Citizen intentionally was named to be sort of a reflection of our customer. It's a modern woman, citizen of the world. And so that was something that we wanted at the forefront front in terms of her shopping experience with us. I think for both my business partner and myself, again, you know, we know that the design of the clothes is obviously very important in terms of the customer trusting us as a destination for where she would shop. All the other elements are important in creating trust too. And that's kind of delivering a very consistent experience across the site, a very beautiful experience and something that we take a lot of consideration around. I would say that's especially true of our copy. So a great example of that. We talk a lot about our sort of like, you know, what you would call your corporate social responsibility initiatives on our website. And we don't call them our sustainability initiatives. I think that that's something in the industry that is like a pretty popular sort of like topic right now in terms of how people talk about those efforts. For us, we've chosen the word responsibility. And you'll see that on our site, we actually never use the word sustainability anywhere primarily because we felt like it was our responsibility to really be thoughtful about how we talked about those topics. They're very nuanced um, topics in terms of like how it works, like, you know, within a business that still has to sell clothes. Um, So for us, like we took that on as like a challenge and and always are very thoughtful about sort of every single thing that we put out there in terms of how we're talking to the customer. You know, we really believe that she can understand um, even the most kind of complex of topics as it relates to kind of how the business operates. And we never want to dumb it down for her. So I think that for us, like we we see that as every opportunity, like we want to make sure that we're always putting our best foot forward. And I think that conscious decision really translates, right? People who are shopping with Modern Citizen, they are also returning, which I think any company's loyalty and retention team 
would love to reach the level that you have where last year half of the sales came from returning customers. What advice do you have for maintaining loyalty to a brand? You know, I think the number one thing is consistency, for sure. Just consistency and knowing sort of who you are as a business, who you are as a brand, what you offer, really understanding what she loves. One of the things that we do that I think for us as like a in team internally is like one of our favorite uh, things to do every year is an annual customer survey. Um, so we started doing that about five years ago um, where we asked customers in a pretty comprehensive survey, um, usually anywhere between like 40 to 50 questions and a lot of free responses for people to give us feedback about their experience with us. And that covers everything from broader things, like how they're feeling about the macroeconomic environment, shopping in general, and kind of, you know, sort of trying to take a pulse on where the mood of the moment is, um, but also really getting a sense for her in terms of her relationship with us. What does she like from us? What is she expecting from us? What would she like to see us do? Um, And that also, we ask questions about the brand, about our creative, you know, about every aspect of what we put out there so that we make sure that we're kind of always in conversation with her about it. It's interesting because I used to work for a company where it's all about let's just discount, let's just throw promotions at our customer base, and hopefully that is enough for retention. But it sounds like you are more taking the route of open dialogue and doing what you've done since day one, which is give us your feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for us, it's also inherent in kind of like the values of the brand as well, too. The way we talk about the business is that our pieces are intended to be investment fashion. We certainly, you know, understand that we're not necessarily like the the cheapest price point in the market, um, but we're a very thoughtful, intentional price point for the quality of product that we're offering. And I think that's something that, you know, we say in a lot of different places and I think communicate uh, not only in our words, but also again, in our imagery and like in, in other ways. Um, and so that's something that's been inherent to the business. We very rarely discount. There's like only very few instances. We have two, you know, what we call biannual sales a year kind of thing. And then obviously we have like a new customer welcome offer and things like that. But discounting inherently has never really been a major part of our marketing plans um, just because we felt it was important to kind of reinforce again, like the values of the business from day one is that like we inherently wanted the business to be inclusive from a price point perspective. And then that was thought about from the very beginning. And you also don't want to run a company that is just based on seasonal sales where you're very tied to sale periods. It is more of like a lifestyle where the customer is consistently having this ritual of returning to modern citizen. Yeah, I think that we have enough newness. You know, we wouldn't consider ourselves fast fashion, again, because we aren't delivering thousands of new arrivals a day or anything um, even close to that cadence. We're much more seasonal and traditional uh, in terms of the number of styles that we offer. But because we are primarily based online, um, we do have the opportunity to be able to kind of share more newness more often. And so, you know, usually we do new arrivals about once a month. And we find that that's pretty much like the exact kind of like right cadence, I think, for our customer to be thinking about um, shopping and kind of like when she's really looking for things. So we like to have enough newness to sort of interest her um, to do it in a very thoughtful way. And a part of where the newness comes in is the moments section on your website, very editorial, and it feels like I am within a fashion shoot of sorts. (laughs) Um, Yeah, tell us about that approach to storytelling and how founders can share their story in new ways. Yeah, so I think the sharing of our kind of seasonal stories and sort of moments uh, really began because that's actually how we prepare the collection internally. It's a really collaborative process between the design team and the brand teams. And we kick off a season by kind of just combining our collective thoughts about what we think the customer's life is going to be like, what she's going to be doing in that upcoming season, you know, what, again, the mood of sort of like the moment is, like where she's going to be going, um, what's going to be top of mind for her. And also just honestly what's inspiring us kind of from both the world of fashion and, and even beyond that. So with that, we kind of create a theme and a 
narrative with both imagery, you know, words, thoughts about like design and actual kind of like tactile design of the product. And that actually, that nucleus of ideas sort of serves as the North Star to create the collection and also actually to create, you know, the eventual imagery that will share the collection with or debut the collection with. For us, we just like love this process, to be honest. I think that that's really why maybe it comes across as being something that's so intimate and authentic to kind of who we are because it's a really energizing process for us. It's our favorite part is to kind of kick off a season and think about the future of what she's going to be doing. Um, It's also just a great way for us to share with our community what kind of work and intention goes into how we design for her because that is something that I think does differentiate us again from um, some of the larger businesses potentially in our space is that, you know, we are a small team. We're a team of 12 who are really like putting all of our heart and soul into kind of creating these products and and this experience for her. And so that's like, you know, one of the ways that we can kind of intimately share with her what it's really like behind the scenes and kind of what we're thinking about and doing. I think in terms of the ways that other founders can share their message, I would probably think about it the same way. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, as business owners and founders, like what part of the process inspires you? If there is a part of the process that inspires you and that gets you going every day, like sharing an intimate look um, at that with your customers is one way to kind of keep them really engaged because it, it really is, again, what's most authentic to you uh, and, and why the business, you know, is running is because there probably is that like element of passion. Um, so being able to kind of share that passion with your community is something that, you know, we love to do. I also think having beautiful imagery and videos is not just you having cohesive branding in socials and the site and having customers visit back, but it's also making the job of journalists or media outlets easier because they can then just use images you provide when they want to cover modern citizen. So I think that's something founders might not realize as well when you invest in your own imagery, editorial content, and storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a way that, you know, your authenticity can kind of come through. It doesn't feel forced. You know, it's a great way to repurpose work that you're already doing anyway. Um, And to your point, again, it actually allows, I think, for storytellers, writers, you know, like podcast hosts and things like that to be able to glean a sense of who you are, again, before ever actually having met you. And and again, can notice the thoughtfulness and intention that kind of goes in uh, behind those things. I, I think it goes back to, you know, some of that press coverage we received really early on. So many of like the words and things that they shared about who we were didn't necessarily come from us. It really actually came from their own um, assessment of what we were doing. Um, so I think that that they really picked up on kind of, again, like a lot of the sort of like key things that we were trying to convey um, in a lot of our like our written messaging and in our imagery. I think that consciousness also translates to partnerships. And for fashion brands, a lot of the different founders think about which retailers to partner with and how they expand into retail. Tell us about Modern Citizen's approach to that realm of business. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, because we started direct-to-consumer, we actually also had our own stores. Um, So before COVID, we actually had three stores, um, one in San Francisco, one in New York, and then one in Dallas as well that were our own operated stores. We'd love to get back into stores again one day just because we do like love that sort of touch point with consumers. But we also recognize that customers also like to shop multi-brand retailers and like like to shop in places that they already are. So that's been an interesting part of the business. We do have a partnership with Stitch Fix where they are accessing a consumer that like probably isn't our average consumer coming to ModernCitizen.com. So that's really interesting and exciting for us to be able to service like a broader clientele and learn a lot more um, as well too. We were able to launch Plus Size actually with them uh, last year in the fall. And their resources allowed us to kind of like be able to scale and grow that business a bit bigger and faster 
faster than we normally would have been able to do on our own, just given our resources. So that was something that was a great example of that. I think that, you know, for us, when we think about partnerships, we do want to think about um, partners that will allow us to reach a broader consumer, because I think that that's really important to us. And as a small business, like something that is is necessary in order for us to be able to do so. Um, So I think that's a great example of like a partnership that was really symbiotic in that way. And I think Modern Citizen has been very conscious about growth as well, very stable growth, and that is self-maintained. Though you have investment, you are not the typical San Francisco story where you seek venture capital funding. Yeah. Tell us why that was the approach you wanted to take. Yeah. So I think, again, my business partner, um, Lizzie and myself, having come from retail and also having come from seeing what that environment was like when people were were raising a lot of money, um, especially to start fashion businesses. We kind of made, I think, the commitment to each other really early on that we were like, if we actually can't find an authentic customer um, that would want to support what we're doing without, you know, sort of like venture propping up the business, we won't do this anymore, to be honest. So, you know, for both of us, we felt like it was important that, you know, we had like this vision for the type of brand that we wanted to build. And we felt like if there wasn't a place for it in the market, that was okay, that we could let that go. But we didn't want to necessarily artificially sort of like prop it up with venture dollars. So I think that for us, that built a discipline really early on in the business in terms of really investing in the areas that were really important for the brand to grow. And so, you know, looking back now in hindsight, it certainly wasn't the easier path by any means. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's the right path actually for, for some founders depending on what category of business you're in, you know, whether or not being first to market is important in your industry. But for us, because fashion, as we mentioned, is like a very fragmented category already, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, having more dollars means that the business can grow faster. I think for us, it, it really reinforced this idea that like you really have to find your your consumer. And if your consumer is out there and wants to support what you're doing, like that business can sustain. And without that, it really can't. So for us, I think we've proven to ourselves, actually, even over the last, you know, eight years that we've been uh, in business that, you know, we have a consumer and we have a a customer out there who really supports and, and is behind kind of the vision of what we're building. And we're really grateful for that. Um, And again, now in hindsight, I think really grateful for the discipline that it instilled in us kind of from day one, not only as founders, but our entire team as well, too, in terms of how to operate a business that actually really is sustainable and can sustain itself. And I I don't mean sustainable in sort of like the environmental way. I mean, like truly just like being able to kind of like operate on its own success. Because I imagine there's a lot of competitive pressures being in the Bay Area where it is essentially a venture capital capital. Mm -hmm. So there's a very strong self-discipline that you had to say that is very tempting. Fundraising is out there, but we have a plan and we are going to stick to what we value. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that, again, in hindsight, now it's 2020. Uh, I wish I could say that we were necessarily maybe prescient about that. But I think, you know, again, looking back, it has allowed us to like really make decisions with a lot of freedom, really um, being beholden just to, you know, ourselves, our team. We do have some investment, but it's really mostly friends and family investment and and not any institutional investment. Um, So because of that, we've had so much more control and the ability to kind of pivot quickly, especially when things like COVID-19 happened. You know, a lot of events sort of like out of your control in terms of supply chain, in terms of, you know, our store closing and so many other things like happening. Um, We had not only a challenge, but also, again, like a lot of freedom in being able to respond to those challenges. Um, So yeah, in hindsight now, I think looking back at it, it was a lot of, you know, managing um, even our own egos about kind of like what it meant to raise money and what it meant to be in an environment where like our peers and competitors that customers would compare us to, you know, had so much more money than we did to be able to execute on similar ideas. Um, But, you know, in the end, I think... um, it definitely built, again, a level of discipline that it's important for kind of like longevity and something that we're really proud of. And also, 
Modern Citizen is coming up on its 10th year in operation. A lot has changed within the industry and also the brand is evolving. How do you plan to evolve with the customers and grow along with them? Yeah, so, you know, we're really excited about category expansion, something that, you know, hopefully you'll see a little bit later um, from us this year in terms of all the other categories that, you know, we actually sell a lot of different categories right now, both clothing and accessories, um, but seeing how much more deeply we can go into some of those categories and and really service a need um, there. We talked a little bit about sizing as well, too. So, you know, again, last year we introduced our core collection. Our current collection right now is in sizes extra small through 1X. And last fall, we were able to introduce our core collection up to sizes 3X. Um, So we're really excited to continue um, that sort of like size inclusivity and that expansion from that perspective and also to do it with lengths and heights, too. So petite customers are like a big vocal part of our customer survey (laughs) that I mentioned. Um, And we had a lot of requests for petites. So, you know, really thinking about being able to service the customer in that way too, better fit. Um, across the board. So I think that that's something that um, you'll be seeing from us pretty soon. Evolving in the same way that you did in the beginning, incorporating a lot of customer feedback as much as you can. That's right. Looking forward to all of the new stuff that's coming from Modern Citizen. Thank you so much for being here, Jessica. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Jessica Lee from Modern Citizen. And thank you for joining us for Shopify Masters. Our show is produced by Megan Coyle and Gogo Zoger. Our engineers are Matt Schwartz and Miku Betlam. Benjamin Gottlieb is our supervising producer. And I'm Shuang Esther Shan. Come hang out with us next week, same time for another episode of Shopify On Location from San Francisco. Mm-hmm.